your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. And welcome to another edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kahn. Follow me on Twitter, at PetSportsGuy. Follow the show, LO underscore Longhorns. You can follow my co-host who joins me now, Cami That's Cami and G. Cami, this Thursday, day 17,347 <laughs> of the quarantine. It sure does feel like that many. Man, I tell you, we got a full show today, though. We got hey. some, uh, got some softball news, some women's basketball to talk about, a throwback Thursday moment. And then we'll get into some football talk as well as uh, Bob Bowlesby's comments to ESPN. Lots to talk about. So we're going to kick this thing off with your favorite player. <laughs> on the 40 acres she might be she might be but yeah, yeah. um yeah. actually texas softball in general uh, even though it's a shortened season i think they have several accolades to be proud of and not only did they finish as the number one team in the nation but it was announced yesterday that uh senior pitcher miranda ellish was actually voted the national player of the year by softball america um so that's obviously a huge 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 honor but um We've kind of discussed her accomplishments throughout the season. I think two of her most impressive being uh, the perfect game that she tossed against New Mexico and also being the only pitcher to defeat UCLA. But she had a 1.25 ERA with 96 strikeouts and 84 innings of play. Her 11 wins were the most of any pitcher in the Big 12. And obviously she erupted at the plate as well. Just in the first weekend of the season alone, she had four home runs with 17 RBIs within just six games. So she finished finished her season, I guess, with a .370 batting average, including seven doubles, four home runs, and 19 RBIs. So I think it was well-deserving and obviously a huge honor, not just for her, but for the team as well. Yeah, after that first week, she kind of settled down at the plate, but she was more – I think she was more focused on pitching-wise and, and – being able to dominate the way that she did. Um, not surprising being named National Player of the Year, considering she was on the preseason watch list. She was one of the top players on the top 50 uh, watch list, I believe, prior to the season. Well-deserved. I mean, she was outstanding, and it's good to know. Yeah, and I just wanted to add one more thing that I thought was impressive that kind of doesn't get mentioned, but it seems like whenever we were watching a Texas softball game, whenever they were kind of in a pinch or maybe weren't going to squeak by a particular game or whatever, they would bring Ellish in nearly every game they were in trouble in the last inning or two, and she would get them out of the uh, issues that they were having, and they would go on to win the game. So I think she was used way more often than people um, really realize when they're looking at her stats. Oh, yeah, she was uh, a ton. I mean, uh, you know, it, it was so often when we were talking, you know, throughout the season and or the first half of the season, I should say, and we were discussing, you know, matchups and whatnot. It seemed like anytime we turned around, it was like, oh, guess he's on the mound <laughs> or guess he's in the circle. Um, you know, it, and it was Ellis again. You know, it's very reminiscent. Um, and I know it's kind of showing my age here, but to go back to the, I believe it was the 2002 World Series between Arizona and the Yankees. And um, they had Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling pitching in the in that series, and they would actually bring them in from the bullpen if they needed, you know, a, a clutch pitcher on the mound on their off days. So they had to pitch a lot. So that's kind of what it, it reminded me of. 
Yeah, I agree. They pretty much, well, she kind of had to come in and save the day for them far too often. So like we mentioned, it was the most deserving award probably of the whole season. Right. Yeah. Between her and the uh, freshman and now her name just like escapes me. But um, yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. It wasn't O'Leary, right? No, no, no. Not no it was a, uh, oh man. It's Courtney Day. Me. Yes, Day. And she, you know, when she would come into the games, and it was kind of similar to that. Those two, very clutch in the circle. All right, Cami. So uh, a little WNBA news. I know that's a different route for us to go here, but ESPN's mock draft for the WNBA draft. Joiner Holmes projected as the ninth overall selection in the draft. They have her staying in Texas being drafted by the Dallas Wings with the ninth overall pick. I think that's a good spot. Uh, yeah, how fitting would that be for her? Yeah, get to stay home. I wonder uh, if they'll let her wear her number 24 that she said she wears in honor of, of Kobe Bryant, her favorite mm-hmm. player. Uh, it'll be nice to see if, if she could continue to do that. Um, you know, Dallas, um, they're, they're going to need some new, some new players. I know Lauren Cox is a player that they're kind of hoping – will fall down there, but she's going to be a top five pick most likely, um, you know, and Joyner Holmes is no slouch herself. So it'd be a nice to see if she could work her way into the conversation for a top 10 pick and, and get to stay in Texas to play her professional basketball career. I agree. That'd be awesome if she was a top 10 pick. Okay, Cammie. So let's talk a little throwback Thursday. Seeing it is Thursday. If, and the question is, if you could relive one moment in Texas football history, what moment would that be? Oh, there's a couple of me, I guess a couple of them for me here for different reasons, I guess, because I, what's on my mind, I guess, because we just watched that Rose Bowl replay is I want to relive the Vince Young fourth down moment in the 2006 Rose Bowl. Um, just because I was kind of young at the time, and I don't think uh, the nerves were hitting me as hard as they would if I were to relive that moment today. And then also the Texas-Texas A&M, their last matchup with the game-winning field goal, because I remember exactly where I was and what I was doing and how nervous I was in that moment. So obviously that those two were um, intense, but amazing endings, I would say. So I think those would be my two. What about you? My moment that I would like to relive I'm going to take you back to 2008 Red River rivalry. Texas is down, I believe it was 14 to three. And they're kicking off to Jordan Shipley. Ooh, and he ran it back. And when he ran it back, because I just feel like as much as, you know, I probably would have said the Vince Young moment, like, but, you, you know, you went there and obviously the A&M Texas game, the final game in in their history up to this point, as, as far as we know, but when he took that kickoff back, it was, it was such a momentum swing. And I think that Texas used that to launch, uh, launch it to take, you know, take over the game and win that football game and put them in a opportunity to compete for a national championship. Right. I actually remember exactly where I was when I was watching that game as well. That's a great pick. Okay, so coming up next, we're going to get into a little bit of football talk. And what is Caden Stern saying about the Red River rivalry? All right, Cammie, 
Caden Stearns has come out and sent out a tweet about the Red River rivalry game time should be a night game. Do you agree with that? Well, I actually saw it once you mentioned Caden Stearns' tweet. I actually saw a couple other players hop on board with that. So I'm kind of curious to see what kind of made them want to be vocal about that suddenly or today or anything else. So I'm curious uh, how that came about. But it's something we talk about, I think, or at least that I think about every single year. Everyone wants this game to be either late afternoon or night game, but when you think back on the recent history and obviously we talk about um, the atmosphere and all kinds of stuff, it's all kind of centered around that game time. And even though it's probably not everyone's first choice to be at 11 in the morning, um, it's kind of just how it is. And you wake up early, you wake up at like eight or you get out there around eight and you tailgate and do all this stuff. And I don't know. I, I just think it's part of the tradition now. So it's kind of hard to move that game, even though I prefer it to be moved. So I don't know. I think I can see both sides. What about you? You know, when you think about the game itself, the Red River rivalry, the Red River shootout, whatever you want to call it, Texas OU. Both teams are typically in, you know, competing for the Big 12. And I think when you think about the history over the years with these two teams and, you know, the winner obviously having a leg up in the conference and a shot at a potential, you know, Big 12 title appearance. That's a big game. And for me, big games should be night games. And that's why I think that they should move it. I understand with tradition, and I, I get that. Um, but I just feel like it would just add to the atmosphere of the game if they moved it to a 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock uh, kickoff. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there's any way that moving it to a night game would um, obviously decrease any type of the tradition or atmosphere or anything like that. I think it could only help it, but it's easily one of the top games, not just in the Big 12, but in college football each year. And whether they're the game day or not at the time, it's still always one of the best games of the year just because of the intense rivalry. Um, so I don't know. I would prefer to be switched to a night game, but I don't think they will. Yeah, it's kind of like the conversation that I hear a lot, and the traditionalists will say no to this, and I agree to it. Um, you know, the mixing in some black jerseys or incorporating, you know, black into the Texas Longhorns colors, which you got to go with tradition. You have to go with the classic look. Um, it's just mm -hmm. one of those things that I don't think they're going to change it. I would like to see them change it or at least experiment with it. Maybe do it for a game or two next couple of seasons just to see how it, you know, it does. And if it doesn't do well, go back to the day game. But we'll see how that works out. All right. So Texas commit Jalen Milrow is going to play in the Under Armour game. Are you shocked at all by that? Not at all. He's one of the top recruits and definitely one of the top quarterback recruits. But I think that's promising. Obviously, it's exciting because he's already committed to Texas. And I think it's going to be interesting when he gets on campus um, between Hudson Card. I think between those two, they're kind of battling out to see who the future quarterback may be. I think um, Casey Thompson's kind of set in that backup role behind Ellinger at the moment and will be. But I think in terms of future at that position, it's between Milrow and Card. 
You know, it's funny that you bring up Card. Because he also played in the UA games. Yep. So, and Card was a lead 11. He's been all over the place. So, yeah, it's going to be between those two. I think I'd give um, the edge to Card at the moment. But um, it's still exciting. It's promising. Uh, um, it kind of allows Texas to feel like they're set at that position at the moment. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Okay. So did you see this? George Tom Jordan Thomas, apologies. Jordan Thomas is rekindling the Texas A&M rivalry. I did see that. So it came down to Texas and Texas A&M. So Jordan Thomas is the four-star defensive end, which um, it seems like every time we're talking about a recruiting offer, it happens to be a three, four, or five-star defensive end. So it's clear that they're trying to strengthen their defensive line as it was one of the worst units last season. But um, they've had quite a bit of success there with their recent commitment. So uh, hopefully uh, they can snag this four-star defensive end. Um, he's obviously had offers from well-respected programs, Baylor, uh, TCU, LSU, Southern Miss, et cetera. So um, that's promising that Texas is one of the final two schools. And I actually believe crystal ball predictions are saying it will be Texas. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I think if you go back and like we've talked about recently with the re-airing of the 2006 Rose Bowl, that team was loaded at defensive end. And I feel like Chris Ash is trying to get back to having a loaded defensive line that can get after the quarterback, create havoc, create some turnovers, and hopefully give the Texas Longhorns offense some short fields that they can go in and attack a defense and put the game away early. All right, so coming up next, we are going to get into Bob Bowley's comments and a new segment I want to call the Quarantine House. All right, Cammy. so I saw this question from Horns 24-7, and I wanted to ask you, how do you think we would view Vince Young as a current day prospect? Well, I mean, he was the highest rated prospect, um, not just at Texas, but the whole Big 12. I don't think, I was kind of confused by that question, because I don't think his rating would really change, whether it was in or now. Um, he was near a near-perfect prospect and had a near-perfect rating. I don't think um, the way we've progressed and changed that that really would have impacted him. I think uh, just rewatching the re-air last week or whenever it was of the 2006 Rose Bowl, you could see how special of a player he was and how he could completely individually take over games like that in big moments especially. So I don't think it would have changed at all. I think it would have changed his NFL outlook, as we've talked about. You're mm -hmm. right. I don't think it changes how he's viewed as a prospect because he does everything that, you know, the college game is, is geared for. Right. And the mobile quarterbacks, the running, uh, you know, being an accurate thrower, you know, so I don't, I don't think it changes a lot. I just thought it was an interesting question that I saw from Horns 24-7. All right, Cammie, so did you see the comments from Bob Bowlesby, the Big 12 commissioner, in regards to not really knowing when football was going to start? Well, like we always mentioned, I think everyone's kind of just guesstimating at the moment. No one really knows if there will be a season, uh, whether it would start late, whether it would be canceled, if it was postponed, what month would it start in? We've seen comments about it starting maybe in October, the November range. So I, w 
I am concerned. I can see where he's coming from about a full season. I don't really know how they go about it if it were postponed, but um, I think everyone's just kind of throwing darts right now and uh, no one really knows exactly when this will all be over. So until we actually know uh, when everything's going to start opening back up, especially campuses and things like that, uh, we won't really um, kind of know or we can't predict the future at this point. Yeah, you also talked about the financial stress of this situation right now. And it makes sense, you know, and not just from a sports aspect of it. He was talking about the universities and, you know, having to, you know, refund room and board. The students are having to move off campus, go back home, go to online classes. You know, he talked about the financial stress of everything. And, you know, it, it did, it's interesting because we don't really know what the future holds. And it's just going to be a situation that we're going to have to monitor as far as what the implications will be beyond this. Okay, Cammie. Let's switch topics. I know you got a storm brewing down there where you're at. I can hear it. I know it is so loud. It's throwing stuff around in the backyard. And yeah, I can hear stuff from every window. So it's impossible to get away from. Yeah. So let's go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, Last thing I wanted to get into was the quarantine house. So my question is, if you could be stuck in a quarantine house with three current Texas Longhorns, who would it be? Oh, gosh. I would kind of go for, like, the funny, um, entertaining athletes. Um, I think Miranda Ellis would be one of mine. Uh, She's not only one of the best athletes, so I'd want to pick her brain. And she's also pretty funny off the the field. Um, Let's see. Football. Who would I want from football? Maybe someone like Caden Stearns. I'm not going to pick Ellinger because even though he's uh, one of my favorite players and probably the best player on their team, he he's he doesn't seem like he would be too entertaining in a, to be in a quarantine house with. So I'm going to go Caden Stearns, Miranda Ellis, and maybe Austin Todd, the outfielder on the baseball team. What about you? Hold on. I thought you were going to go a little longer. <laughs> Austin Todd, huh? I didn't see that one coming. I know. I can't think of anyone else funny. Well, you took my first one. Oh, well, I mean, those are good picks, Cammy. Those are good picks. I'm going to go with Sam Cosme. I don't think the big guys get enough love. Ooh, good pick. So I think I go with Cosme. I don't know, should I pick one from each sport? That's what I kind of did, but I don't know. I guess you can pick three football ones. I mean, basketball's tough. I don't really know that I could pick one. I mean, I think I think Andrew Jones would be good just because mm-hmm. of everything that he dealt with. And you could just, you know, I think you'd get a good uh, outlook on life because of what he went through. Uh, baseball, maybe big the big cat, Zach Zubia. Might be fun. Oh yeah, I was thinking about him too. Yeah, I, I think that'd be good. Uh, you know, it's it's tough to say because, I mean, you're right. You want the funny guy, so Caden would have been my guy. Uh, Brandon Jones, you know, but he's you know gone now. But if I could have Brandon Jones, I think he'd be funny in there. Ooh yeah, I think Brandon Jones would be funny. So uh, Brandon Jones, Caden Stearns, you know, you can interchange yeah. it. It's got to be an interesting way to to finish out the show. So that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Locked on Longwood Podcast. Make sure you tell your smart device to play the latest 
episode of the Draft Dudes. For Cammy, I'm Patrick, and we will see you tomorrow. Hook em.